He's hurting, he's sorrowful, and his son is sick. And we think today just because we, we're in good health, we work a good job, we, get, we go, got a nine to five, we get a good paycheck, that we're not sick. The Bible says all have been sick and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God through Christ Jesus is eternal life. He says, come unto me, all ye that, that are sick, <laughs> that are suffering, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We sick, and we're nearing death. We're near death. And we think we have time to wait. It starts with the predicament. It's, see, see, I reject the name it and claim it gospel. Because the, the, the only person who can name it is Jesus. When he names it, then I claim it. It ain't what I speak. It ain't what I say. But whatever God says, that's what I begin to claim in my life. And this brother, he's come to Jesus, and Jesus is about to extend unto him a life-changing word. He's at a point of grief. Can you imagine the predicament that he's in and what he has to give up? Because he's a noble man. What do you look like running around chasing after this rogue preacher? Where did he come from? I heard that he, he came from a little town called Nazareth. And even one of his disciples, when he heard that he came from Nazareth, his own disciples said, is there anything good that can come out of Nazareth? And this noble man says, I, I've done all that I can do. I've tried all that I can could try. I, I went to every doctor there is, every specialist there is. I, I put more money in it than I can even give out. But all the money I have, it can't change this predicament. All the prestige and power that I have can't change this predicament. So he put his pride aside. And he lays his power and his position on the line to do what? To go and see Jesus, he's chasing after him. Is there any God chasers in the house today? I'm a God chaser. I'm a God chaser. See, some of us, we chasing money. We're, we're like um, um, 50 cents. He said, I'm going to get rich or die trying. No. No, don't get it twisted. See, when, when I chase after God, uh, paper chase me. <laughs> See, you, you're a paper chaser, but, but when you chase after God, and not only paper, but all that you need, why? Because the Bible says in Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. I, I may not need money. There's something else I need. So I don't need to chase paper. I need to ch the things to chase after me that I need when I need it. And God knows better than I do what it is I need. He goes after Jesus. 
has a predicament, has a problem. And there are folks in the church today, I'll be honest, I'm afraid to counsel sometimes because people will bring some stuff to you complaining about problems and situations that it's a problem you wish you had. <laughs> they done married somebody. I saw on Facebook somebody had a video. This, this lady is in, in, I think, Judge Mathis's court. She married a man and she said, I just think he loved me too much. <laughs> what? How can you be loved too much? You, you so used to being beat upside your head. So he loved me too much. He cooked for me. He washed the clothes and I get home. He got, got the bath water waiting for me. He just loved me entirely too much. There are some folk wish they had your problem. <laughs> Folks got jobs and making good money and they, they come in and say, I, I just don't like that job. Baby, who told you you got to like it? <laughs> Everything ain't about what you like. But God has opened a door for you. The stuff that folks are calling problems today, we wish we had. Ain't no problem. That's, let me tell you, that's life. <laughs> Some stuff folks calling problems is merely life. Problems, watch this, draw you closer to God. Problems draw you closer to God. Let, let's look at the next verse. The next verse says, before I was afflicted, this is David, the psalmist he's writing, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Before a problem came in my life, I, I did my own thing, I went my own way, but all of a sudden, I obey your word. Verse 71 in, in, in Psalm 119, same psalmist says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Problems, baby, draw you to God. And all of us got a predicament. We, we got questions of uncertainty. What, what will happen to me when I die? That's a predicament. That's a problem. What is my purpose in life? That's a predicament. That's a problem. And, and we will live in a place of uncertainty and unrest and in duress. And we need answers to, to life's greatest problems. But we'll come to the church and we'll get entertained. I'm not talking about laying out things and welcoming and inviting people. But we'll get entertained and we will want that over the word of God. And our questions will go unanswered. Go on answer. Look, look, look at what it says in the text. He says, let's go back to the text. Go, go backwards. One more. He says, once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum when this man heard that Jesus had arrived. Here it is. Let, let's, let's go forward. Let's go forward. We move from a predicament to probing. To probing. In other words, we begin to do an investigation. We, we got a problem. Some of you know you wouldn't be in church if you didn't have a predicament. 
Let's be real about it. If your marriage wasn't going haywire, if your kids wasn't acting crazy, if the job wasn't talking about laying you off, if your co-workers wasn't getting on your nerves, you probably wouldn't be here. It calls you to investigate Jesus. It says that he heard that Jesus had showed up again in Galilee, and he says, I'm going to see what he's talking about. Faith come by hearing. Hearing by the word of God, he heard. Now, at this point, he's merely going off of what he heard. What he heard other people say, and he arrives just to investigate. There are people who will come to church, and we'll just come to investigate. I don't know if these are my peoples. I don't know if. You, you got a problem, but you get caught up in thinking it's about the music. You got a problem in your life and you get caught up in thinking about um, if, if, if they dressing flashy enough, if, if this is happening and if that's not happening. But you got a problem. But you'll put your emphasis and your focus on, oh, I hope they don't preach too long. I got to roast in the oven. You got bigger problems than that, baby. And we will look at the mediocre things. And I think about our heart, our soul, what happens to me when I die. And if you don't answer those questions, you will have unrest. You will seek after things that will never fulfill the thirsty soul. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. He goes and begs. He goes and cries out. He's probing. He's, he's investigating what can he do. I, I heard about this, this trick he did. Heard he's some type of magician. Heard about what he did in Galilee before. So I'm going. So he had to leave his sick son. Leave his bedside and travel more than 20 miles to see Jesus, and they didn't have the transportation in, that we have today. So, so he went the distance just to hear, and some of us will not go the distance just to hear what God has to say. Because we will want to hear things that tickle our ears and have a form of godliness denying his power. But this man, he says, I got to go the distance, whatever it takes. I've already exhausted everything that I have in this matter, let me go see Jesus. He went the distance. He went the distance. And, and we act like today, some folk live around the block, still can't get to church. Just live right down the street. <laughs> I know folks got, got church next door to them and still show up late. He went the distance. Why? Because he wanted to hear. But I understand. I understand some of y'all. Hey, sure, Blake, he's still going to be up there. <laughs> <It don't, laughs> I know I can catch about three points at least because the brother don't know how to give a three-point sermon. He got six. I don't want Lord, this joker got six points. Predicament, probing. What else he got up in there? Probably what is that word? <laughs> but he's, he's probing. He, in other words, he wanted the presence and the power of God in his life. He says, come, come, come and see 
about my son because he's close to death. He forsook his position. He forsook his, his, his prestige. He forsook his power that he could go and see and hear Jesus. He's determined, y'all. He's determined. But there, there's, there's still a deficiency. He's determined to get to Jesus, but there's a deficiency in his faith. See, some of us, we, we go from the problem, from the predicament, and we go to investigating about, about God. And then when we get here and we begin to, to hear his voice, we begin to hear the word of God, there sometimes is some deficiency in our faith. Because in his mind, he's, he's urging Jesus not only um, to, 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 to just heal my son, but he thinks, Jesus, come now. Come now, I need you to go with me. In other words, he thought Jesus' presence, that Jesus had to be right there to heal his son. Little did he know that his faith was deficient. That's why we need to be in the, uh, in the word of God. That's why we got to hear his voice. That's why we can't give up on meeting together as many of us are in the habit of doing. We should not forsake the fellowship of ourselves one to another. Why? Because it causes a deficiency in our faith. It, it's it's kind of like some, some people are taking vitamins because they got low um, blood iron. <laughs> In their blood, and because they're not getting the right nutrients, so their 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 blood is deficient. Some of our faith is deficient because we we begin to um, think that God should do this when He don't have to do that. We're, we're we're praying for this, but the root of the problem is over here. All right, Let, let's go to the next point. Faith advances to pleading. <laughs> Faith advances to pleading. Here, here it is. You're pleading with God when you, when you recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. And we come to the altar we, 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 and we pray these prayers. It's not a, a real such thing as a prayer of salvation, but we pray a prayer inviting God. In other words, that's a cry. That's a plea. Lord, I understand today that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm crying out to you. So it says, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived from Galilee, from Judea, he went to him and begged him, be begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Be begged him. And in between these two verses, Jesus chides them. Jesus challenges them. Jesus, not only him, but everybody who is in the crowd. Jesus challenges them. And then even after the challenge, here's what the royal official said. He said, sir, just come down. I, I know he's saying... Come, come on, Jesus, um, my son, near death. Just come down and go, go to my house with me. Um, I, I know they say you speak with authority. I don't know if you just like to hear yourself talk, Jesus, but, but I just need you to come down now before my child dies. In other words, he was a little bit pretentious. I, I believe in one aspect, he, he may have gotten caught up in his pride to say, do we not know who's standing here before him? 
He got a little bit pretentious and began to think he was more important than who he really is. He didn't know who he was talking to. And sometimes our importance and our pride will think we, we ought to have something that we don't even deserve. Do you not know we don't deserve God's goodness? We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve him, him sitting on the cross. But, but because he loved us, he died. Because he loved us, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Because he loved us, but we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. He, I think in one aspect, he think he deserved this. He's not even a Jew. But because of his position, because of his power, come down, come down, come down. All too often, even when we go to church, we, people will come in with such pride and think they deserve to be treated a certain way. This is my position. You ought to respect me. I'm prophet so-and-so. I'm evangelist. Who are you trying to convince? Yourself or them? He, but here's the other thing. He, this, this is just how I saw this, just how I saw this. But then he's persistent. Even after what Jesus does, in between these two verses, he advances to pleading. But, but watch what Jesus says. Let's go to the next point. Faith is challenged to prove. I've heard someone say, a faith that's not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Je Jesus challenges him. And not only him, but the crowd. He says, unless you people. See, some of us would have packed our bags and left right there. Because we'll, we'll sit in the church and say, I know he ain't talking about me. He can't be talking about me. You'll miss your blessing because you're, you're more concerned about who he's talking to. Everything ain't about you. You're not that important. Jesus challenges his faith. Unless you people. No, he didn't say you people. You talking about black folks? Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Because they're, they're, their hope was in something they could see. But faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not about what you see, it's what you put your hope in. And why he said, come down, sir. And Jesus replied, just go. Just go, just, just go. And your son is healed. Jesus challenges his faith. Watch this, go to the next verse. This, this is what happened when Jesus had fed the multitudes. Over 5,000 hungry souls, he fed, he fed 5,000 men, women, and children. The 5,000 included the men, not the women and children. And so, so he fed a multitude, and, and after that day, he went into the mountains, he prayed. Then the following day, he goes over the lake, and they follow him there. And when he got there, they said, you're you going to have some more fish sandwiches for us today? And Jesus said, no, eat of me. <laughs> he said, no, today I ain't passing that out, but I'm, I'm giving you me. And here's what they said. 
They said, so they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? And they want him to prove himself. God don't have to prove himself. Any miraculous sign that he did pointed to his deity. It pointed to his person and his character, his grace, his love, and his compassion toward man. He didn't have to do it. Listen, listen. They said, what will you do? Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, come to me. You, you, you're worried about physical food. I'm, I, can, I can feed your soul. He says, verse 36, but as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Do you not be- understand even at his resurrection, folk didn't want to believe. Thomas, you, you know, J- Thomas got a bad rep. We call him Doubting Thomas. That's not his name. Matter of fact, the week prior, he told Jesus, if you're going back there and everybody else afraid to go, and they saying, if you go back there, you're going to die. He said, I'm right or die, Jesus. So, so, so don't, don't look at this one moment in his life and think that he was not committed. There are moments in our lives where our faith will be tested. Don't think you're going to have a perfect faith. You just got to hang in there and have faith. Even if you see me, look, look at what Thomas says in the next verse. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I, I, I won't believe. I ain't going to believe. See, you've gone off somebody else's witness, somebody else's testimony about what the church do and what the church won't do. And you, you're getting secondhand stories. You ain't tried it for yourself. Well, folks told me down there at that church, they doing this. Do you really know? He says, I got to see this. For, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Can you understand the blessing that comes on you when you ain't got to see it to believe it? Keep going. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, that by believing you may have life in his name. Some folk don't have life. Don't have joy. Don't have freedom. Don't they? 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 They just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Have no life because their hope many times is in the wrong thing. Next point: faith is perfected with practice. <laughs> it is James. James, the God, book of James says, faith without works is dead. John four fifty through fifty two. Jesus replied, you may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. When you go over to Luke chapter 7, remember the, the centurion sent his son, sent his, his, his um, battalion to go and see Jesus because one of his soldiers was dying. 
He didn't have to go there. And Jesus spoke the word. When he came before Jesus, Jesus said, you know what? I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. Because why did he say that? That's the only time in the book of the gospel that Jesus commends someone of their faith. Peter steps out of the boat, takes his eyes off Jesus. He began to sink. Jesus, he cries out, Lord, help me. Jesus lifts him up, put him in a boat. But what did he say? Yield little faith. Why did you stop believing? More and more times you hear Jesus say, ye of little faith. One time in the book, he says, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. He was not a Jew. He was not a religious man. But Jesus gave him a commendation for his faith. Why? Because he believed without seeing. Faith is perfected with practice. With practice. You got to trust God for your mate. You got to trust God for your finances. You got to trust God. Stop compromising. Stop, stop acting like you got a blessing. We, church folk love to say they bless. Know it's something they manipulated. Oh, look at what the Lord blessed me. No, I don't think the Lord would have gave you all that debt. No. Maybe you're trying to impress somebody with something you can't afford to impress folk that don't even like you. <laughs> Practice faith. When, when I say perfected, that does not mean perfect. That means maturing. Faith to faith, glory to glory. He began to Build and strengthen your faith. The man heard Jesus and he walked away. He, l l listen, he says, the man took Jesus at his word. When will you begin to take God at his word? Take him at his word. Take him at his word. Not, well, I spoke this. I'm going to speak it into existence. No, that says God speaks things into existence. But what he speaks, I'm going to claim that. Stop claiming stuff that you're coming up with. Claim his word. Stand on the promises of God. I like the Bible. The Bible says that his promises are always yes and amen. Next point. Faith progresses when propagated. See, it don't just stop at getting a miracle. Because as he began to make his way back, his servants met him and told him all that had happened. And he realized that his son had gotten healed right about that time. As a matter of fact, they came and said, yesterday, your son healed, was healed. In other words, the man so trusted God that he delayed getting back home. Because he was there at the seventh hour. He could have made it back home before the, 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 the next day. But he took his time. Why? Because I know... God has it in control. So, so he had confident and persistent faith. The father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. 
They believe. They, they, they trusted in God that what he said he would do, he would bring it to completion. Let's look at the next verse. I think there's a few, few more verses. He, he believed in what God had said to him. Trusted it. Took him at his word. Took his time in going back. And, 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 and when, he, when he got home, not only was his son healed, he didn't just say, you know what, uh, my son got his healing. I ain't going after Jesus no more. But he began to share the story. And the t- text says that his whole household believed and trusted in God. See, your faith, don't think your faith is complete. That's why I use the word that, that it's through challenges that your faith is proven, not proved. Because some of us will think, well, I did it then. I proved it then. No, faith is, it never ceases. It's proven time and time again. I die with Christ daily. I don't have faith just for yesterday. I got to have faith for tomorrow. I got to have faith not just for God to do a physical miracle, but I got to have faith in God for my marriage. I got to have faith in God for my life. I got to have faith in, in God for my children. It don't cease there. But faith, if you really want your faith to progress, it got to be propagated. You have to share and declare and distribute what God has given unto you. A person that says they have faith, but they're unwilling to share it with someone else, don't have faith at all. He shared it. He shared his faith. He got his healing. And some of us, we, we would get excited. We can throw up our hands and do our dance right there and we'll shout about it. God is able. Jesus will fix it. Yes, he can. And we will stop there. But we have to share it. We have to share it. I know somebody is saying today, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Faith is not an experience, but faith is a journey. It's not a one-time deal. It's a lifelong journey of faith. And we continue to hold on to God. Is there anybody here glad today that God is able to do more than you can imagine if you just simply, I'm going to say it again, simply Put your trust in him. Faith the size of a mustard seed. You can speak to your mountain and your mountain shall be moved and cast into the sea. Why? Not by power or might, but by his spirit. It's what God does in our lives. It's nothing that you do, but you put your trust and your hope in a loving God, in a loving Savior, in a redeeming Savior. And when you do so, he will move mountains for you. He'll move. He'll move on your behalf. The Bible declares that he he inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, when we glorify him and we magnify him, we make his name great and make his name glorious. That means we make God bigger than our problems. 
We make God bigger than our circumstances. We make God bigger than, than the loss of a job, bigger than the loss of a loved one, bigger than the person that walked out. We make him bigger. We magnify, we glorify his name in the middle of our circumstances. When he do so, he'll bring some dead things to life. Oh, yes. When when you do so, he will restore some things that's near death. You ain't lived until you put your hope in God. That's life. That's living. That's not in vain. Let us stand.